You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Romans chapter 3. Like Brother Rusty said, many of us have that memorized. We've seen that verse before. We've heard it before. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now here is something. Nobody likes being alone. I understand that some people are more introverted than other people. How many of you would say you are an introverted person? Shy? Brother Dusty? Introverted? I don't know. I don't know. The Bible also says we're all liars, but. (laughs) Oh, Brother Dusty, come back. Come back. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, man. So how many of you, you're extroverted? You're an extroverted person. Stephanie, yes, of course. (laughs) Uh, Some people just thrive on social interaction. Other people don't need it as much. Uh, But I believe that everybody needs a certain level of companionship and camaraderie. That's one of the aspects of this whole year that has been so difficult. In many ways, we have been stripped of our ability uh, to be around other people, to socialize, to fellowship uh, with each other. But my entire message is really based off of this this premise right here, so it's important for us to to hear it and to think about it individually. Whether we realize it or not, the fear of loneliness influences the most critical aspects of our lives. The fear of loneliness can hold us back from doing something that we know we're supposed to do taking a stand at work. But if we know we're going to be alone, it it discourages us from doing that. The fear of loneliness can encourage us to keep doing something that we're not supposed to do. That's basically the definition of peer pressure. But to any human being, the thought of the possibility of being alone is powerfully influential. People rush into relationships for fear of being alone. Uh, I understand the Bible says it is not good for a man to be alone. But the Bible also says it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. So choose carefully. People act differently than they are to fit in when they are scared of being alone. And uh, it's unfortunately true But sometimes we care so much about being in the same boat that we don't care that the boat is going in the wrong direction. Or we don't care that the boat is sinking. So this morning, I'd like to present four extremely important areas in our life in which we are not alone. The first two are horrible. It's, It's awful that we are not alone in the first two areas. The last two are wonderful. It's so good that we are not alone in the last two areas. And if you lend me your ears for a moment, open your heart to the Lord, I believe that this can be a help to you. We already read about the first area where we are not alone. Romans 3, 23. You still there? Let's read it all together. 
Ready, begin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, just a little earlier. Do you see that one? Let's read that one together. Romans 3.10, ready, begin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So don't look now. Everyone focus here. Don't look now. But the person next to you is a sinner. We are not alone in our sin. Now leave it up to the devil to use our natural dislike of loneliness against us. He knows we don't like being alone. So what does he do? He takes the truth of not being alone in our sin and he presents this idea. Well, if we're not alone in our sin, if everybody's a sinner, then what's so bad? What's so bad about sin? Everybody else is doing it. What's the big deal? Everybody else is living together. What's the big deal? Everybody else is drinking. What's the big deal? Everybody else is dropping standards, music standards, dress standards, separation standards. What's the big deal? Everybody else is watching filth. What's the big deal? I will not tell you what class it was, but I got a C minus in one of my college classes. Whoa, whoa, C's get degrees. <laughs> C minus, okay? I was not a good student in any way. Miss Alana, Miss Alana's a teacher and she's looking at me like, I have a class full of Johnny Chase, wonderful. No, I was not, I was not a good student at all. I got a C minus in one of my college classes. I would like to say in my defense, no, I did not apply myself. I was one point away from failing. And this was the semester right before I was supposed to graduate. And I worked really hard to cram a four-year degree into three years so that I could get married because I don't like being alone, right? So anyways. <laughs> if I were to fail that class, I would have had to take another semester. There's no way I would have graduated. I got a C minus. I could have applied myself more. I could have done better. But then I realized everybody in the class got a C. Nobody scored higher than a C in that class. And suddenly, my perception of a bad grade That's not so bad. Since everyone else was in the same boat as me, what, what's the big deal? But there was one person in my class, one of my friends. He didn't care that everybody else got a C. It bothered him. He wanted to do better. It absolutely bothered him. Just because everybody else is in the same boat doesn't mean the boat is going in the right direction. But Satan knows. Many people would rather sail in the wrong direction together than swim in the right direction alone. I've even heard people say, I know I'm going to hell, but I don't care because my friends are going to be there. 
and it's all going to be a big party. Well, go ahead and mock. Go ahead and refuse to believe a holy God. Go ahead and refuse to believe a righteous God and instead believe a lying devil when he says that everybody sins, so what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. If we're not alone in our sin, we're not alone in the consequences. So let's turn to Revelation 21. Let's turn there. When everybody's seeing it. If you see somebody around you that doesn't have a Bible, let them see it. There is power in seeing God's word. So share it. Church members, look around. Make sure. If you do not have a Bible, let us know. We will give you one today. One of the things we're working on, we, we just purchased, I believe, 100 Bibles. And uh, we're going to get some signs made. And we're going to go to a mall in the area. We're going to go to different um, intersections. And we're going to just give out free Bibles. And uh, to Corpus Christi, let people get a Bible, let them see God's word, and we're going to pray that some people get saved as well. Revelation chapter 21, I am in 1 John, and that is not close at all. <laughs> close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, not in the Bible. All right, here we go. Revelation 21, 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers, I'm guessing that's not you, you're here. And whoremongers and sorcerers, you know what that's talking about? It's talking about drugs. And idolaters and all, uh-oh, we'll skip that one. We'll skip that one. And all liars shall have their part, shall have their part. We are not alone in those consequences. Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you think hell's going to be a party, you're a fool. If you think hell isn't real, you are deceived. If you think somehow you're going to escape hell on your own, you're sorely mistaken. Now, I've had people ask me before, Johnny, what if you're wrong about eternity? What if the Bible isn't telling the truth? What if there is no eternity? What if this whole Christianity thing just isn't real? That's a fair question, so I'll answer it. If I'm wrong, then even this lie of a book has led me to a wonderful life. I have a beautiful family. I'm surrounded by incredible loving people. You would have to call me the luckiest, one of the luckiest men on earth. But now answer my question. What if you're wrong and the Bible is true and there is an eternity? Then that means hell is a real place with literal fire. The Bible says there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Every moment will be deafening. Every sense will be tormented. The drunkard will still be a drunk, but will never be able to quench his thirst. The addict will still be addicted, but will never be able to find his fix. The pervert will still be perverted. The predator will still be on the hunt. The Bible says, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. The Bible describes hell as a bottomless pit, a place of damnation a place of outer darkness where the worm dieth not, 
where the fire cannot be quenched, where you are conscience, conscious of your earthly regrets, where you can look into the heaven that you rejected for all of eternity. But none of that will come close to the misery of being separated from God. In fact, you would keep all of the other things if it meant you could have one moment in his loving presence again. Because we're not alone in our sin, we are also not alone in the consequences. We all deserve to spend eternity in hell. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Now we're quick to admit, we are quick to admit that we're not alone in our sin. But we don't like admitting that our sin is so black, so disgusting, that only an eternity of punishment in hell can be sufficient to pay for it. Now before we move on, there's something else I want us to remember. There are actually two ways where we are not alone in the consequences for sin. The first way is all sinners deserve to spend eternity in hell. The second way is this. The consequences of our sin in this life never affect us alone. Sin always brings collateral damage. The consequences of your temper, sir, affect your family. Ma'am, affect your family. The consequences of your gossip affect your church. The consequences of your envy affect those around you. Your lust, our pride, our theft, our laziness, our addictions, our lack of self-control is not only going to bring damage to ourselves; they will damage others. Right now we're all wearing masks because we don't want to spread our germs to somebody else, but we fail to see that our sin spreads like no other virus alive. David's sin defiled Bathsheba, killed Uriah, sickened his baby boy, and tainted his son, Amnon. And then Amnon's sin devastated Tamar, angered Absalom, divided a family, and eventually divided a kingdom. What about Achan's sin? Achan's sin killed 36 men destroyed the morale of a nation and led to the death and destruction of his entire family and all of his possessions. Joshua 22:20 20 says this, did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed thing and wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel and that man perished not alone in his iniquity. I would tremble to think that the greatest effect I ever had on somebody else was because of my sin. But when you play with fire, you will get burned. And when you're not watching, that fire lights the wick to a bomb that you can't stop. And there will be people within the blast radius. People that you care about. People that we say we care about. We are not alone in our sin. We're not alone in the consequences, both in this life and the next. The wages of sin is death, but... We've talked about the horrible ones. Let's talk about the wonderful ones. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sin is as black as can be. Consequences are as severe as can be. But 
God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is horrible that we are not alone in our sin. It's horrible that we are not alone in our consequences. But it is wonderful that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're not alone in God's invitation. Look in Romans chapter 5. Look in Romans chapter 5. So we were in Romans 3, then we went to Revelation. Now we're back in Romans chapter 5, verse 19. I love these three verses, 19, 20, and 21. They are self-explanatory. If you follow along, it's clear as crystal. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath death or uh, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Another portion says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. We may not like admitting our sin, but it is being a sinner that makes you eligible for a Savior. We might like, not like admitting that we are lost, but you can't be found until you're lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. I do not like that I am not alone in my sin. I do not like that I am not alone in my consequences. But I love the fact that when Jesus said, whosoever will, he included me. Can we do a timeout right here? Okay. You are not alone in the invitation for your salvation. Which means, if you are not saved, God is calling to you today. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Further than that, Christian, the invitation was not just for you. How dare we take such good news and keep it to ourselves? 2 Corinthians 4, 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. It is our duty, it's our job, it's our great commission. To, the invitation doesn't just say come, it says go. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How dare we keep something so precious to ourselves? Do you take a light and hide it under a bushel? Do you take a city, a grand city? Where are we going to build it? You set it on a hill where everybody can see it. People say, my timeout's done, time in. People say, if God is so good, why would he send people to hell? If God is so loving, then when would he, why would he send people to help? God is so loving. And that's why he sent his son 
That's why he sent his son to make sure that where sin abounded, grace could much more abound. But he can't help you if you reject his invitation. And woe be unto us, Christian, if people can't even, they don't even have the chance to reject the invitation because nobody has ever told them there is one. In Corinthians, he says, there are people who know not, they have not the knowledge of the Lord. I speak this to your shame. If there is one soul in Corpus Christi who has never heard the gospel, we, we will have their blood on, their, on our hands. Heritage Baptist Church will answer for that. But when that invitation is given, God can't help you if you reject it. Jesus calls to everybody. He forces nobody. Jesus stands here today with his arms open wide, but he will not twist yours. It is your decision. Now, if anybody in here, as we transition, if anybody in here is wondering why I hate the devil so much, and if anybody is wondering just how deceitful is Satan, I want you to think about this with me. When we're living in sin, he comes to us and says, well, you're not alone in it. What's the big deal? But then when the Holy Spirit speaks to you with a preacher or with the, with the Bible coming through and you in your heart say, I want to accept that invitation, then he comes along and says, well, you will be alone in that. Go ahead, be a Christian. You'll be alone. Go ahead, live right. You'll be alone. Now, let me be honest with you. I'm going to, I know many of you. Some of you don't know me. You wouldn't know me if you ran into me. So I know I'm asking for a lot of trust. But I'm telling you what the Bible says. Don't trust me. Trust what the Bible says. It is true. It is true. And many in here can testify according to this. You cannot say yes to Christ without saying no to some things. Turning to Christ means turning away from the world. When I said, I do to my wife, I said, I don't to everybody else. When you say, I want the Lord as my Savior, you are saying, I don't want anything else to be my Savior. So sometimes saying yes to Christ means losing friends. Sometimes saying, let me tell you this though, if your friend is willing to turn on you because you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that is not a friend that you need. Sometimes saying yes to Christ, being a Christian, means being an outcast at work. It means being weird. But let's be honest, we were weird a long time before. Don't blame, don't blame that on the Lord. Sometimes being a Christian means being questioned by family. Sometimes being a Christian means being mocked at school. But may I remind, may I remind us, the world hated Jesus so much they crucified him? Now, I'm not saying we're supposed to be obnoxious. I'm not saying we're supposed to be this, this like, militant group 
that's looking to cause trouble. But if the world loves us, we're doing something wrong. We're supposed to be salt, not sugar. Salt purifies things. Salt preserves things. Salt changes the flavor. Have you ever eaten something without salt? Some of you poor people in here buy unsalted popcorn. <laughs> Tell you what, the next time you order something from Amazon and there's those styrofoam peanuts in there, just eat those. It tastes the same. You need salt. Season. Season things. We are supposed to be seasoning. We are supposed to be salt and we are supposed to be light. There should be a difference in us. God says, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. And sometimes being a Christian means walking through difficult times. And that certainly is true. But you are not alone. We are not alone in this life. We are not alone in this journey. Look at Psalm 139. Flip, 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 flip. Psalm 139. Would you look with me in verse 1? O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. That's a scary thing. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I fl flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Another psalm says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You cannot say that if you're not his child. But when Jesus is your Savior, though the whole world forsake you, you are not alone. If I have Jesus, Jesus only, he'll be with me to the end. Though unseen by mortal vision, angel bands will o'er me bend. Matthew 28, 20 says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Nobody likes to be alone. Well, in the most critical areas of our life, we're not. You're not alone in your sin. That does not mean everything's cool. We're not alone in the consequences for our sin. Our sin affects you, and it affects me, 
It affects people in this life, and it calls for eternal punishment in the next. But that's why God sent his son to die, so that everybody could be invited to spend eternity with him above. But even here below, when Jesus is your savior, you are not alone. Could I tell one last story? When I was 12 years old, I went to a camp in West Virginia, Mount Salem Revival Grounds. It was a Tuesday. in 2004 and I was not saved and I knew it I grew up in church I was born in church like not in church but you know my first Sunday alive I was in church I knew I had the books of the Bible memorized when I was four I knew all the stories I knew who Jesus was I knew what he did I knew all of that but I was lost and I knew it when teenagers come up to me or when people come up to me, I just don't know, I just don't know. You know. The Lord doesn't do that. God is not the author of confusion. The Lord doesn't work in I don't know. It is yes or no. And I knew I was not saved. And that night, my youth pastor preached. And he preached on Satan's will for your life. And I knew I needed to do something. I literally felt if I did not answer that night during the invitation. And we're going to have an invitation in just a little bit. A, por a portion of time where we invite you to make a decision for the Lord. I knew if I didn't answer during that invitation. The Lord probably wasn't going to speak to me again about it. And I, had, I gripped the pew in front of me. And I had my head down. And the verses went, the piano played and played and played and played. And my youth pastor just kept on saying, somebody's out there, somebody's out there, somebody. Nobody, nobody had walked down the aisle. Nobody. And I refused to walk down the aisle. You know why? I didn't want to be alone. But now, 16 years later, I'm glad I walked down. And I wasn't alone. In fact, as soon as I stood up, the power actually went out. The power went out that night. No, 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 wait. It's not like I stood up and zoom. No, 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 no. Let me. The power went out as I was waiting. And as I was fighting. And the youth pastor said, if you don't think the devil's real, you're wrong. And I stood up, and as soon as I stood up, a friend of mine, Luke Putnam, he was here the other day, stood up. And we both went down, and a man came, and he met me, and he said, are you saved? I said, no, I'm not. He said, okay, let me show you the Bible. I said, I know what the Bible says. But I need to trust in him. And I got saved that night along with about two dozen of the kids in my youth group. The invitation went to about 11.45 at night. The chapel had a bell <laughs> and their long string, and I was too light, I couldn't even pull it. I, I had to jump. But if you got saved, you were able to pull the bell. 
but I know how it feels to be in a church and you look around and you see people in suits and ties and you see people smiling and it looks like they have their life together, trust me. <laughs> we don't have our life together. <laughs> we are breaking or broken in many different ways. God holds us together. But I know how it feels when a preacher stands up and says, you know you need to trust in Jesus. You know that you do. And the devil says, you're going to be alone. Tell him to be quiet. Every single person in here who knows Jesus as their Savior once had to raise their hand, once had to walk an aisle, once had to admit. There was a meeting that took place in hell one time and Satan was saying, we need to find a way to get people to reject the gospel. And one of, the one of the devils stood up and said, I propose that we tell people there is no God. Tell them there is no God. And everyone was real quiet. And they said, even we believe in God. Every everybody knows there's a God. They're not going to believe that. So that won't work. So then another one stood up and said, well, tell them that there are no punishments for their sin. Tell them there's no consequence for it and they can just live however they want. It was still kind of quiet. And the devil says, every, every person has built within them a conscience. You know, even from a child, when you do wrong, there's going to be consequences for sin. That's not going to work. And they're about to call the meeting. And then one of them said, Tell them there is a God. Tell them there is a punishment. Tell them there is a hell. But tell them they have time to make the decision. And Satan said, I like that. Because if we can get people to say tomorrow to the Lord, tomorrow never comes. So don't let this whole feeling of you are alone, no, no, put that aside. We are not alone. No, you're not alone in your sin, not alone in your consequences, but you're not alone in the invitation. And when Jesus is your Savior, you walk through this life with a constant guide, full of grace and truth. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.